Welcome to the first of a series, Retail Recorded, a monthly podcast hosted by myself, Angie Solanke, National Director of Retail Services in the U.S. for Colliers International. Today, our podcast is featuring how CEOs are evaluating commercial real estate. I'm excited to welcome our guest speaker today, Gil Borat, President and CEO of the U.S. with Colliers International. Gil, thanks for joining us today. Hi, Angie. Thanks for having me. Yes. Um, you know, really interested in speaking to you from a C-suite perspective. You know, the amount of um, change that is occurring in retail or and I should say in our industry in general has been accelerated. Can you give us your point of view at a high level? How does that landscape look pre-COVID and post? Yeah, sure. Look, uh, pre-COVID, which I would define as the first quarter of 2020 or the most recent quarter uh, before COVID was pretty healthy, pretty strong. The music seemed to be that it would, you know, seemed that it would continue playing uh, in terms of a healthy economy and relatedly a, a healthy commercial real estate market. Uh, there was plenty of capital, interest rates were low, uh, there, was, there was growth, particularly in technology sectors, to some degree in the finance sectors, healthcare, uh, and that was enough to sustain us. Industrial, that was certainly enough to sustain us. And then, of course, COVID hit, and we all of a sudden have a slowdown. Uh, obviously, it'll likely be a recession, two quarters of no or, 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 or of, of less growth. Um, that's probably likely, right, given, given that COVID hit and it's so unpredictable. But it wasn't a fundamental uh, reason for the economy to slow down. It was a health-related crisis that obviously sent everybody home effectively that caused the slowdown. So I think underlying, were it not for COVID, we would still be in, in growth mode, albeit slower growth in 2020 than in 2019. Um, so that has changed the landscape. And, and a lot of it is, uh, a lot of where we go from here is dependent on what happens with COVID, the length. When do we get a vaccine? When do we get a therapeutic? When do we get it under control by social distancing, washing our hands and wearing masks? And I think that will happen, but it's gonna take a little while, probably longer than any of us thought. Uh, once that happens and, and without that variable, again, I think we would have a healthy economy and a healthy real estate market. Once that happens, I think things will get uh, more back to normal. Uh, March and April were a death spiral for us. By May, as the numbers came under control, there was more optimism uh, and I think uh, more activity. Then in a lot of places, particularly the Sunbelt, California, the numbers started rising again and we've seen people retrench both in, in, in their personal lives, going back inside uh, to slow the spread, but also in terms of their uh, the, the, the activity within commercial real estate has followed suit because people are a little more nervous. And so a lot of this, again, has to depend with the, tra the trajectory of the disease and the absolute numbers. Now they say, well, the people that are getting it now are much younger. They're going to sustain it better. They're not going to get as sick. That's all true, but I think people look at headline numbers. And so we have to have an outlook that is a positive one in terms of not necessarily a cure. That would be nice. That'd be very nice. But really an outlook or, or, or some assurance that we've got it under control, that we know how to operate within a COVID environment and keep momentum going. I will say that I think overall, 
notwithstanding um, the, 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 that we have COVID, the activity that I'm seeing is more robust than I would have thought. It's down from prior year, of course, but there's more activity than I would have thought overall. Uh, and I look forward to the numbers getting more in control, which I think will happen in the next couple, three weeks in the hot spots. And then being, you know, having people be perceive uh, uh, that things are getting better and, and they will be getting better and then we'll have more activity again. Correct. I, I completely agree with you, Gil. Um, and, and this is to your point. Yes, there's optimism, but I, don't, I think this is cautious optimism. And as you stated, we also are seeing quite a bit of activity in specifically in the retail sector uh, in speaking with, you know, the variety of retail professionals throughout the U.S. So with that, help me understand the specific sectors that you think are reacting strongly um, and or will be sustainable going forward. There's, there's kind of a mixed review uh, within office. And of course, industrial tends to be the leader and continues to be. But what's your perspective on that? Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I, I think that industrial, you know, is the leader. There are there are fundamental reasons for that, right? Without regard for COVID, it was already the leader and doing really well before COVID because of uh, what I'll call the last mile or what you might call the Amazon effect, right? The, 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 there was increased uh, need for industrial space in the form of distribution facilities. Uh, we often say that, you know, are, the, are those, is that really retail or is that industrial? But I think today and historically would have been classified as industrial facilitating retail, if you will, facilitating consumer demand. So I think though that sector is inherently strong right now with, with the fundamentals. Uh, and that's the one that's going to, you know, come out, uh, come out of this uh, and get through this uh, the best. Obviously, uh, aspects of retail, high street retail and so forth, malls, you know, not, not malls that as you would know better than me that, that offer an experience, but traditional malls will suffer more and hospitality will suffer more. Um, as far as office, it's an interesting question, and it's been debated, you know, will there be more or less space demanded? More space because of social distancing, less space because of working from home, and more people working from home. Well, in the short term, that's probably true. In the longer term, I think there will be things about occupying an office that will fundamentally change. I don't think we'll be socially distant for the rest of time, but I do think we'll be a little more cognizant. And I do think we will need a little more space than that rather than packing people in like was been the trend of the last decade, we might go back to a little more distance in the office, which would require more space. And, and at the same time, uh, employees will have a little more flexibility because I think that the idea of flexibility originally driven by COVID, but now driven by lifestyle, driven by the fact that uh, people want to work from home at least a little bit, at least some of the time, the more we can facilitate that, probably the more, the happier our employees, the more productivity we have, the more productive they are, the more we are likely to retain them. But net, net, I think things will revert to the mean in the office uh, sector. And there'll be factors that drive the desire for more space, factors that drive the desire for less space, net, net, uh, in the scheme of things, I think it'll be pretty much uh, business as usual as things settle out. Right, right. No, I agree. I think, you know, we get the, this question quite a bit as well in the retail sector. You know, do we see restaurants coming back to the new norm, etc. And we're all, we're, you know, humans are social creatures and we, we need to, you know, socialize, um, hang out, uh, etc. And, and having to do that on, on Zoom calls is definitely not um, 
it doesn't provide the warm and fuzzy. So it I appreciate the, that. It cramps the style for sure. Yes, yes, for sure. Um, so with that, I'm going to, you know, pivot a little bit over to the investor side because, you know, I actually see there's a considerable amount of opportunity. Look, interest rates are pretty much, you know, as, as low, it's quite low, the lowest I've ever seen in my entire career. Um, but also, you know, we're hearing it's going to continue to further go down. So people are looking or investors are going to be looking to place money. So help me understand um, when we talk about, the the change in rents is is are we seeing a, a softening of rents due to covid market correction what's your thoughts around that yeah um you know i think that well so so it, you know as always it's about supply and demand right if there's demand rents go up if there's uh, more supply than demand rents go down i don't know that covid has necessarily necessarily changed that basic equation um, and I think it is still, even though we're four months in, it's still a little early to tell exactly what the impact is, is going to be. What we do know is that, and I was, I think it's gotten better perhaps because of government stimulus, but what we do know is uh, rent payments are, are, are I, I just read the latest stats, I think for, for June are in the 90 plus percent, right? Even in retail, they're pretty high. Uh, and there was concern that rents wouldn't get paid. Sure, there have been modifications. Sure, there have been deferrals and some restructurings, but I don't think it's been a, um, a, a been a pervasive trend. I think it's been episodic, and I think landlords have been uh, cooperative with their tenants where where the need has been demonstrated. Where it hasn't been, and tenants were trying to be opportunistic about not paying rent or deferring rent. I don't think landlords have been as cooperative. They've got to pay their lenders in many cases as well, right? It's very rare that a landlord doesn't have some kind of debt on the building you know, uh, that they need to then, they have to answer to their banks. So um, I think there's been, it's been fairly rational working through that and you don't hear as much noise about rent deferral and, and lack of payment and so forth um, today than you did maybe three months ago. I didn't, I don't think it happened the way people thought it might, that folks have been rational. Now, stimulus is going to dry up a bit or get a little tighter. That could create more problems and we might see more modifications and more rent reductions. But I think, the long and the short of it is that that I'm not sure there's a major impact on rent at the moment or that there will be. Um, it's more about modif modification and relief that landlords might need to give, not necessarily in the rate per square foot, but in the but in the in the time to pay, right? We'll add three months at the end of a lease or something like that. Uh, that's probably going to be the way we muddle through this, if you will. Um, I think that supply will be um, a little bit constrained. Uh, developers, you know, there's still building going on, but it's harder to do. You got to have the protection around COVID. And, uh, you know, I don't think we're going to see a lot of new projects start. There will be some. So that could constrain supply, which will be another factor in or a factor in, in holding rents pretty constant. Mm -hmm. Right. No, I, I, I definitely echo. It's a partnership between landlords and tenants. And um, it's really nice to see that uh, that partnership and mutual agreement to defer rent, um, et cetera, or restructure uh, slightly is definitely um, proven to be quite successful so far. So uh, I, I totally agree with you. Now, from a, you know, as you talk to a variety of other uh, CEOs and COOs throughout the industry uh, based on, you know, your relationships and tenure. Uh, help me understand how 
you know, what you're hearing in terms of client asks, are they specifically asking or um, is there a theme that you're seeing in your conversations with various clients? Um, yeah, well, look, I think that clients are um, like us. They're, they're, they're um, you know, they're, they're nervous, right? Because um, we don't have visibility uh, into what the future holds. So a lot of the discussions with clients are around, um, are sort of around um, um, hanging in there, right? <laughs> Being resilient and knowing that every crisis we've faced in the past has in one way or another, you know, has, has passed and we've gotten through it. Uh, and you just, have to, you just have to keep going. Now, lots of clients are facing uh, the, the, the not so nice task of having to implement cost reductions, um, you know, which has impact on people's lives. Clients don't feel good about that. Uh, and they are reticent to invest um, because again, lack of visibility. As soon as we have some clarity, a vaccine or, or, or a therapeutic or, or a sense that we've got things under control, I think things come, maybe not roaring back, but they will come back because our, our, you know, the clients will have, um, they'll, they'll, they'll be more sure of themselves and more sure of the future. So it really is around uncertainty a lot of questions around, well, you know, what's your perspective on when this will end? It's a very hard question to answer, right? I'm not, I don't have a crystal ball that's better than the next person's, but I do know that I've got some historical perspective and I've lived through other downturns and um, I know what's going on around us. And I think we, we will, we obviously will weather this, uh, we'll be a bit bruised as a result, but we'll get through it. And I think things will, will, will pick up again as they, as they did when we left off because of COVID. Mm -hmm. You know, um, one thing I, I definitely want to share uh, to our listeners is that you really stepped in as CEO and did not just, you know, react, but you were very proactive with the entire team. And I think the organization felt it, our clients felt it, um, and, and that collaboration has been, um, you know, very positive. So, how do you see yourself in terms of your role as CEO? Um, that job, you know, it's changed a little bit. You've had to mobilize, demobilize, mobilize um, <laughs> a variety of times, just like our opening and our reopenings, um, the multiple reopenings we've had. But how do you see your job? Um, did it change too much or maybe give us some insights to, to how it looks during this period of COVID? Yeah, look, my natural tendency is to be fairly hands-on and tactical. Um, I would say that that became my full-time job rather than the other aspect of being CEO, which is to be visionary and to be strategic, right? You've got to do all of it. Um, but for the last three or four months, um, or at least three months, the first three months of COVID, it became very tactical and I got very involved in making the decisions along with our expert you know, our experts in people services and outside experts and whatnot, in terms of first and foremost, the safety of our people, um, and follow, you know, trying to follow the guidelines, reassuring people. In a way, I felt like the communicator in chief for a period of time because I was helping craft all of the communications that were going out from various people to instruct our people on what to do, what not to do, mostly to keep them safe. So it became very tactical and very focused on COVID first closing and then thinking about reopening and reassuring uh, and giving people guidance, very clear guidance on, on what our expectations were, 
you can work from home, you can't work from home, you should work from home, that type of thing. And so it became very focused, you know, and way deep on, on COVID, deeper than anyone would want to really go, a CEO would want to go on any one topic. But that was what we needed to do to, to, to get through it. And then at some point it eased up and I was able to start to think about things that, you know, that, that where there was a return, right? Where, where that would move the business forward. The thing with COVID is you had to do it. We had to get through it. There wasn't a very high return. I guess you might say, well, survival, and that would obviously be a very high return, but it didn't feel particularly productive, but of course was, was necessary. So I think the, that many of, of, of my CEO colleagues found themselves in the same boat. Nothing else really mattered for a period of time. And then we did start to emerge and we have emerged and now we're obviously managing COVID, it's top of mind every day, but uh, we're able to get back to being a little bit visionary, a little bit more strategic, a little bit more um, forward thinking, which is really more, you know, what one would want to spend the time on as CEO. You know, Gil, I, am, I, I give you, you know, a, a loud applaud because uh, being in your position and managing through, um, you know, this, this the, the first stage of this pandemic is tremendous. And uh, in doing it with empathy, as you have, is 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 quite powerful. Um, so so thank you for that. Well, we're going to end our podcast with one final fun question uh, for you, Gil. And that is, if you could have one superpower, like a superhero, um, in the context of retail, because that is kind of my passion of, of where I sit and live, uh, what would that be? Well, um, for me, it would be going into a uh, candy shop, like a Dylan's candy bar, mm -hmm. and looking at the candy and tasting it, but not eating it. Meaning, <laughs> just look at it and get the satisfaction of the taste without actually eating it. And that would be heaven for me, because then I wouldn't have to worry about calorie count and could still get all the enjoyment I get from eating candy. As you know, I've got a sweet tooth. So that would be, that would be what I would wish for. Oh, that's wonderful. I love, I love the visual right now. Um, Gil, I am so proud to be on the phone with you, um, having this discussion, hearing directly, um, you know, from the head of the head of the CEO for Colliers International in the U.S. Thank you so much for your time and everything that you've done for us as an organization. Angie, thank you for all you've done. And thank you to our retail team uh, for the thought leadership and uh, the support of our clients. And thank you for having me. It, uh, it was a pleasure to talk with you. Stay tuned for our next podcast with myself, Angie Solanke at Colliers International. This is Retail Recorded. <laughs>